With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So marathon magic again this week, but not for Mo. We round up one of the greatest sporting events of the calendar the London Marathon. Was it sink or swim, though, for the decision to show British Swimming Championships on YouTube, especially after former world champion James Guy dived in with surprise that the national synchronised swimming would be shown on the BBC? Our special guest this week on Anything But Footy is former Commonwealth Games and European medalist and former Team GB synchronised swimming manager Adele Carlton, who rightly tells swimmers, they're one team. There is some actual swimming news from in the pool too, with Glasgow the focus of attention for para swimming and the British team confirmed for the Worlds in South Korea this July. I'm John. And I'm Michael. We'll try and get through some triathlon, some hockey, some diving, some cycling, some tennis and some canoeing as well. And we'd love to hear from you always on Twitter, anything but F. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. You can email us as well, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. And we've got some tweets to read out. And that's where we'll start with the London Marathon, an event that is a real part of the British Spring Summer Sporting Calendar, as we've mentioned many times on Anything But Footy. And the streets of London again today pounded to 40,000 runners. We saw a giraffe. We saw a bell. We saw a car. I don't know if you've seen the social media clip going round of Big Ben getting stuck <laughs> at the finish line. Imagine that, 26.2 miles, and then you waste 20 seconds trying to get across the finish line. Key figure today, £1 billion has been raised since the London Marathon began in 1981. And the other key figure, John, the second fastest marathon in history. Yeah, it's really easy, Michael, to start with the headline that Mo misses out. But as you say, let's talk about the brilliant performances first from the London Marathon before reviewing, as Samo Farah admitted afterwards, he was disappointed with his fifth place finish. Now, we witnessed, as you say, the second fastest ever men's marathon. Two hours, two minutes, 37 seconds from, frankly, the greatest ever 26-miler in Kenya's Eliud Kipchoge. The world record holder, it's the fourth time he's won in London. That's a record as well. Now, Mo admitted he couldn't keep pace with him from about the 20-mile mark and Kipchoge lapped 
up the applause as he ran down the mall. That famous line, of course, with Buckingham Palace behind him. Um, but Mo did run his second quickest time ever over 26.2 miles. And with no British male winner since Eamon Martin in 1993, what a joy it was as well to see two Brits in the top 10. Callum Hawkins breaking the Scottish record with two hours, eight minutes and 14 seconds and moved to third on the all-time UK list and banishing that Commonwealth Games memory of him collapsing while leading in the Gold Coast a year ago. One thinks, Michael, big big things for that lad, Callum Hawkins. It was just wonderful to see Callum Hawkins back, completing the marathon, as you said, and wonderful to see Mo Farah and Callum Hawkins going head-to-head. And we've spoken often, haven't we, about rivalries in sport. And I just wonder whether on the roads of the marathon we could see a rivalry beginning to build between Mo Farah and Callum Hawkins. Callum Hawkins is an improving marathon runner. Mo Farah is a marathon runner who is still learning his trade, if you like. Not his personal best, as you mentioned today. He claimed the wheels rather fell off. I've got to say as well, we saw a fantastic women's race today. The youngest female winner ever in London, 25 years of age, Bridget Cosguy, a time of 2.18.20. And what a wonderful performance as well from Charlotte Perdue of Great Britain Mm. and Northern Ireland. A massive personal best for her. She knocked over four minutes off her best time. She finished 10th, and it is as well a Tokyo 2020 qualification time. But I think when we pick up the newspapers during the course of the week, as we have with the build-up to the London Marathon, it will all be about Sir Mo. Yeah, all eyes on him. Another, Another marathon for him. Another close run thing but no glory. And now he admitted, as you said, disappointed with my result. He says the training has gone well. I felt great at the start. But how much did what's happened in the build-up to this race affect him? He says not, but it must have done. Unless, unlike you think like Simon Hughes in the Sunday Times today, actually this is what gets Mo going. He needs something to wind him up to perform. Now this row over a stolen watch, hotel bills, even assault allegations, and rows about a controversial coach being allowed into a hotel or not, with Haile Gabra Selassie, the greatest uh, middle distance runner of all time. Surely this isn't the best preparation in the world for a marathon, let alone one where you are coming in against the world record holder, someone who's won it three times on the trot. You've never won the London Marathon and you're saying you're going to take Kipchoge. He, he was never going to do it, but he was the one, Michael. Mo Farah, in that news conference, he brought the whole thing up. Yeah, it's been an extraordinary week of claim and counterclaim. And you have to say, on the road itself, Mo Farah, I think, is at a bit of a crossroads at the minute. And thanks to Rich for tweeting us at anything but F. And he has asked our opinion on whether we think Mo Farah should stick with marathon running or should go back to the track. And there is that option, of course, with the World Championships. He could return to the 10,000 metres. For what it worth, for what it's worth, my opinion is he needs to stick with marathon running now. But yeah, all that has been overshadowed by, as I said, this extraordinary week of claim and counterclaim. It all started with that Mo Farah press conference. He revealed the contents of that text message. Uh, he talked, obviously, about the robbery at the hotel he was staying on in Ethiopia. At that point, of course, we hadn't heard Haile Gabri Selassie's side of the story. His counterclaim was that Farah was involved in an altercation with another couple. Mo Farah's coach, Gary Locke, said that Mo Farah had acted in self-defence. 
And then UK Athletics got involved as well because Haile Gabri Selassie went on to mention that he hadn't allowed Jama Arden, a uh, controversial coach, of course, with previous connections to Mo Farah, to come into the hotel. And that's where this all started. Remember, Arden was arrested back in the summer of 2016 in Spain in an anti-doping operation. Gabriel Selassie said he didn't want him in the hotel and that's what started this row with Mo Farah. It's just another Mo Farah distraction, isn't it? I mean, the public still retain huge affection, huge affection for Mo Farah. Saw that on the streets of London, saw that at the last World Championships, saw that, obviously, at the Olympic Games. He has carefully cultivated his image, the, the character, if you like, of Mo Farah, the family man, the Arsenal football fan, the four times Olympic medalist. But I think those text messages that have been revealed have just shown a hint maybe of the, the steeliness, the the sportsman, if you like, behind that image, behind that mask. And, you know, you have to say to be a top, very best elite sportsman, you do need that hint of steeliness. And I think those text messages, this exchange that we've seen this week between two of the most high-profile runners of our generation has shown a bit of that steeliness. Mm. And it's interesting, you mentioned Gary Loch, who is his coach and husband of Paula Radcliffe. He obviously came out and supported him quite vocally, as did British Athletics. They've all backed Mo's versions uh, of the event. And also uh, Steve Cram, the uh, lead commentator on the BBC, hoping to become the chairman of British Athletics. They've said no to that now. Uh, common sense has finally prevailed and he won't be interviewed to be chairman of, 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 of British Athletics. But... As you say, it's just it's just strange that why would you bring that up, um, and 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 but it shows his determination to do it as well. I suppose that's the that's the point that he wants to he wants to push himself, and if he needs to 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 motivate himself that way, that's the way that that he could do it. I just think it's I just think it's it's really interesting that he's he's gone down that line. Now you've said in answer to Rich's question. On, on Twitter, anything but F. And we talked about this in a previous edition, um, Back on Track, I think it's called, uh, as our, one of our episodes. If you want to have a listen, go back and have a listen. Because I think that Mo might go back to the 10K in Doha. I'm not sure he's going to go to Doha and do the marathon. I'm not sure we might not see him compete at a marathon again. Because I just think he thinks he can win on the 10K on the track. And I don't think after today watching Kipchoge, I don't think he can think that he can he can compete at marathon level. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point. I think Mo Farah made such a, a big decision to, to move away from the track. And, you know, let's not forget, last time we saw him on the track in, in London in 2017, it was, it was not picking up a gold medal. Mm. It was picking up a, a silver medal. I think he made such a big deal of moving to the marathon. And, you know, you can't run marathons week in, week out. We know that. It's going to be something that, you know, is a long process to get very good at. Now, whether Mo Farah has got the time... Um, to make himself a world and Olympic champion at marathon running. Personally, my opinion, as I said there, is different from yours. I think he needs to, to go forward to Doha, maybe see how he goes in a world championship marathon there, you know, a year out from Tokyo. If it doesn't work in Doha, then it's not worked for him at a world level, which is slightly different to running in the kind of the city majors, if you like, the likes of, of New York and, and Berlin and London. If it doesn't work for him at a world championship level in Doha, then maybe that is the time to refocus ahead of Tokyo. But I personally would be would be disappointed if Mo Farah doesn't see it through to at least that major championships later on this summer. 
You mentioned Charlotte Perdue. She's on her way to the World Championships and the Olympics. So will Callum Hawkins with that run uh, as well that we mentioned. And Tish Jones got the qualifying time, the exact qualifying time, two hours, 31 minutes, zero, zero. She just crossed the line uh, in time in London. So she'll be uh, going to the World Championships as well. One other race that I thought was worth mentioning as well. Men's wheelchair has a new star, uh, Daniel Romanchuk from the USA. He's just 20 years of age. He won in an hour and 33 minutes, 38 seconds. He's now won London, New York and Berlin with the great werewolf David Weir uh, down in fifth place. So maybe changing times in wheelchair racing. But as you rightly say, uh, everything, I think the uh, the Big Ben picture will probably be the front page <laughs> of many, many newspapers. Uh, as, I just uh, so want to make <laughs> go on. two more points on the London Marathon bit before we move on to swimming. Firstly, we should say that, that Mo Farah has had talks with UK Athletics and they say he's had no contact with his controversial coach, Sharma Aiden, since November 2016. And secondly, that point about Steve Cram, he's in a very difficult position, Steve Cram. You want your lead journalists, your lead broadcasters to be well connected. You want them to have contacts. You want them to have the inside track. But he sat next to Mo Farah's coach in the commentary box. He commentates alongside Paula Radcliffe. He was interviewing Mo Farah this week ahead of the race. He was then being interviewed by the BBC this week as well, where he described this as a media story. Steve Cramp is the media. He's arguably the lead voice on his sport in the country, certainly as far as the BBC and the broadcaster who have most of the rights uh, to athletics in this country as well. He can't not be the media on occasions and then be the media and pick up the paycheck this morning as well. It's difficult. It's a difficult position, as I said, for Steve Cram there. Um, But you can't be a top journalist, a top broadcaster on your sport if your connections, your friends your associates cloud your views or opinions and it's inevitable and we've all seen it that sometimes those personal relationships will cloud your judgment when you need to be journalistically rigorous here here uh, more on a topic now we first started last week but in twitter terms it kind of kicked off a little bit let's <laughs> dive straight in um last week we discussed the rights the wrongs the pros the cons of british swimming championships uh the trials effectively for the worlds this summer in south korea not being shown on the bbc the terrestrial broadcaster the national broadcaster michael talked perfect sense he said the fact it was on youtube might mean that it would reach more youngsters and surely the desire of all sport is to look to youth. Then on Monday, it was announced that the British Artistic National Championships in Nottingham, uh, the British Artistic Swimming National Championships in Nottingham, would be shown on the BBC. Now, apart from Michael, that's synchronised swimming to you and me. He always knew it was called artistic swimming because he's (laughs) clever like that. Now, prompting a really interesting tweet from James Guy, the former world champion and Olympian heading for another championship himself. He asked why the BBC, what on earth was going on? He's now deleted that tweet, but it was because of the reaction that he probably deleted that. The 2012 and 2016 synchro swimmer Katie Clark was among a number who weren't happy, asking what he meant. Now, I don't think the BBC were that pleased with this decision either. The British Swimming wanted to show their event on YouTube. And it was actually Swim England who are staging the synchronised national championships. So they've gone with Auntie. Now, that... uh, that tweet that James Guy sent, as I say, has been deleted. He then clarified it to say, I wasn't having a go at synchronised swimming. It's just a shame BBC Sport are putting on synchronised swimming, but didn't show us last week. Michael. Yeah, we put that to British swimming. We put that exact point. Why was 
this event, not on BBC Sport. And they told us, and I'll read this, we decided to show last week's event through our own channels, YouTube and Facebook, due to commercial restrictions of streaming it elsewhere. This was a great move for us with our Deep End Live studio receiving lots of positive feedback and viewing figures currently sitting at just over a quarter of a million, which will continue to increase with on-demand views. That was the quote that we got on Anything But Footy from British Swimming. So the criticism that the BBC have had here is totally unjust. And well done to Nick Hope and the Olympic team at the BBC for still going along to the event, covering it for news, that's both nationally, with the nations and the regions, and getting the interviews out there. But it was a British swimming decision, as we said last week on the podcast, to show it on their own social media channels. YouTube and Facebook, the reasons behind that, commercial restrictions of streaming it elsewhere. Basically, they could monetize it better, stick more sponsors' logos up if they put it on their own channels. And as I said last week, they could then maybe attract a younger audience. I have an eight-year-old daughter. She is hugely interested in gymnastics. Where does she watch all her gymnastics? She watches it on YouTube. If you've got an eight-year-old son or a daughter who wants to watch swimming, where are they going to watch swimming? They're watching it on YouTube. They're watching it not so much on Facebook. That's for the granddads like us. But they're watching it on YouTube. They're watching it on social media. And that was the, the reasoning, if you like, behind the British swimming decision. The other issue with James Guy, of course, is why should one part of the aquatic sporting world be attacking another part of the aquatic sporting world? Yeah, and we asked James to come on board and have his say. You know, he obviously sent his clarifying tweet, but if you do want to come on the show anytime, James, uh, anything but footy, please get in touch. The same applies for anyone else. So why is there the snootiness around synchronised swimming? Michael has been chatting with Adele Carlson, who I said is the director, choreographer, uh, Team GB synchronised swimming manager from 2012 and 2008, and also a Commonwealth Games and European medalist. Swim England have done a brilliant job securing BBC coverage for part of the Artistic Swimming British Championships on Sunday. Artistic swimming is always one of the first sports to sell out the Olympic Games, and it's also the most widely watched events on FINA TV, which covers all of the FINA um, aquatic disciplines. Uh, back in 2012, the artistic swimming team uh, from Great Britain finished sixth in the Olympic Games, um, but then suffered from funding cuts from UK Sport, who cut all team funding apart from hockey in 2014. However, British Synchro now have some really talented young athletes coming through, and they have secured some funding in the lead-up to Tokyo next year and should qualify for those Olympic Games and have a fantastic future ahead of them, which perhaps they can medal in the future. Um, I think as a sport, we have really grown with respect from other athletes, um, other sports, and also in the media, largely thanks to the coverage in the lead up to 2012 when everyone was looking for something different, something quirky to cover. It's a sport that is one of the most physically demanding to do and probably the most trained sport that there is. It's also really captivating as well, very visual. Part of my job uh, in the lead up to 2012 was to encourage journalists and the media to understand the sport more and to gain a wider respect for it amongst the public, which I think we achieved. And I think they've taken it onto the next level now um, with this new group. Um, however, I think we still suffer not only as a minority sport, but being a mainly female dominated sport in what is still a very male focused industry um, and particularly with the media coverage in sport. And specifically on James's outburst, Adele said on his teammates, effectively, 
we're all one aquatic competitor. I think James Guy is a phenomenal athlete and perhaps his frustration as a world-class athlete in a sport that isn't as widely shown as some others was the cause of an extremely poorly worded tweet against artistic swimming. However, athletes on social media really need to be aware of the impact of their words and also how it makes them look. Um, certainly no aquatic athlete should be using one discipline negatively against another. Um, perhaps British women could have also communicated better to the teams about the broadcasting of their events and reasons behind their decisions as well. Um, I'm sure British women had valid reasons for their broadcasting decisions regarding the swimming. Um, and they have to look at the wider picture as well, what with sponsors who bring in the major income for them, and also engage in a younger fan base, and online is certainly the way forwards for that. Um, I have to say, though, on a positive note, uh, James Guy has really helped to highlight the fact that artistic swimming is being shown on the BBC this Sunday. So that's brilliant. So thank you, James. So, Michael, as Adele says, there's no such thing as bad publicity, but let's be honest, her advice on thinking before tweeting frankly applies to us all. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Now, I first met Adele in the build-up to the 2012 game. She was the high-performance manager for Team GB there. Clearly, she loves her sport. As you mentioned, she's won medals at Commonwealth Games level there. And I think she, along with a lot of the artistic swimming, because that is the proper name for what we used to know as synchronised swimming, the artistic swimming world were a little bit upset with what I think was, was James Guy poking fun, if you like, at the at the synchro world. And, you know, I think it wasn't on by James Guy because when you go to an Olympic Games, aquatics, and I mean by that diving, swimming, water polo, artistic swimming, they're all one sport and these are disciplines within it in the same way you have with cycling, road cycling, track cycling, mountain biking and BMX. So for one part of aquatics to be having a bit of a pop at another part of the aquatic world, you know, I think is is disappointing. And that's probably, you know, what has got the, the world of synchro in this country a little bit upset. Fantastic profile, fantastic platform for them to be on BBC Online. You know, we've got a lot of potential where artistic gymnastics is concerned. There was a, a silver medal, of course, in Paris recently for uh, British synchro swimmers as well. So I think there is potential there. I think heading towards the next Olympics, if they can sort out the funding and get there, there's a, an opportunity to do well there as well. And I think for, for the sport, fantastic that the BBC have put it on. And as Adele has told us, it does worldwide for FINA get fantastic audiences. Absolutely. Congratulations to Isabel Blinkhorn and Keris Larson, who won gold in the free duet on the second day of the Swim England National Synchronised Swimming Junior and Senior Championships. Both athletes had already helped Reading win the technical team competition in the morning, and Reading won four out of the first six competitions. So well done uh, to them. And you can get in touch anytime, like Adele did. Um, we'd like more of you to get involved if you want to be uh, anytime at anything but F on Twitter. Uh, you can email us anything but footy at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Insta. And don't forget as well, make sure you're telling all your friends, download the podcast, share it, like us, rate us, iTunes, Spotify, your usual podcast provider. Please do get in touch. We're going to stay with swimming, uh, Michael, because Glasgow was the centre of attention again. And after taking a year off, and I tell you, this is some kind of achievement and really shows her class. Ellie Simmons returned to competitive swimming to take the World Para Swimming World Series 400 metre freestyle gold 
in Glasgow. The four-time Paralympic champion in the S6 category was just half a second off her own British record and booked her place in the GB team for London at the World Championships, which we talked about in a previous edition on Anything But Footy this coming September. And another Ellie, Robinson, the Paralympic champion from Rio, should also be at those Worlds after winning the 50-metre butterfly in 36.20 seconds. Glasgow uh, putting on another good show, Michael. Yeah, and three world records during the course of the week as well. Alice Ty, uh, Ellie Chalice and Scott Quinn. Scott Quinn broke the world record in the heats and then again in the final. And para swimming in Great Britain with the likes of Ellie Simmons, Ellie Robinson, as you mentioned, the other people that I've just mentioned, is in rude health heading towards that, that huge home meeting, of course, that world para swimming championships that we've got going on. Just as an aside from that, I just wonder whether there is a bit of an identity crisis, if you like, for para-sport. And just to, to move away from the para-swimming and those, those fantastic performances, um, I was listening on the radio this morning. I was listening to a London radio station, and they were covering the London Marathon this morning. And they kept talking about the wheelchair athletes being Paralympians. Now, I'm not sure exactly what they were seeing, what they were watching, but I'm pretty certain they weren't all Paralympians. Now, this is something that Hannah Cockcroft and others have been annoyed about in the mm. past. Just because you're taking part in para sport doesn't make you a Paralympian. And then last night with my kids, I was watching Ninja Warriors. Never seen it before. It's like gladiators <laughs> for, for the 21st century. But they had a snowboarder, a winter Paralympian called James Barnes Miller on. And he kept being referred to as being a Team GB Paralympian. Now, I tweeted about this. I said, this is part of a much wider issue about the public struggling to understand the difference between the brands because Team GB is a British Olympic Association brand. If you're at the Paralympics, you are part of the Para GB squad. And actually, James tweeted me back with one word, and it was absolutely. And I just Mm. wonder whether there's there's a bigger issue here for para-athletes, and that is whether people properly get the division, if you like, between para-GB and Team GB, and whether people quite understand whether you're a para-athlete or a Paralympian. No, I I agree with you on, because that came up in in conversation today, if you're uh, taking part in, as you say, para-events, are you automatically a Paralympian? Well, no, you're not, unless you compete in Rio or London or Beijing or um, Paris in 2024, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you're a para-athlete. But, so I, I totally agree with you on that, because if you're an athlete, you're not an Olympian until you are an Olympian. I have a different view on the branding. I think that ultimately that Team GB and Para-GB need to come together. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer of that, because the general public don't understand the difference and i understand that they have to be separate organizations i understand why it all happens but i think moving forward and 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 the, and the world is all about brands these days it's about making sure you've got the right brand for the right audience and i i think because you're you're absolutely right michael they were wrong to say that in ninja warrior but actually for the general public should it be wrong should everyone all be team gb and then, you know, and, and you break it down. It's a bit like British athletics, but actually their governing body is UK athletics because it's if not, it would be Great Britain or not. It's so, you know, there's so many rules and regulations. That would be the that would be the only thing that I would slightly query going forward. But I totally agree that you are only a Paralympian when you are in the Paralympics. And that's what that's the way it, it should be. And, and, and we're going to continue with swimming. 
because we've talked a lot about it in recent weeks. And, um, you know, it's a big year ahead with the World Championships. And those swimming team has been named. 25 strong team has been named. And, and British Swimming told us again that the world team looks really strong. Uh, we're looking forward to an exciting summer in store. Uh, stay with us for coverage and updates and make sure you share the podcast and tell your friends about anything but footy. Some names to, to really kind of uh, we talk about regularly, but really to keep an eye on uh, for these world championships. Adam Peaty, Dan Jervis, Max Litchfield, Duncan Scott and James Wilby all qualified automatically after the British championships that we talked about in the last edition. It's called the Perfect Ten if you want to go back and have a listen to it. Petey, of course, leading the way, as you'd expect, but watch out for Duncan Scott, Jervis, Litchfield, and will be too over this year and ahead of Tokyo 2020. And then also some names who also qualified for the times, Ben Proud, Ross Murdoch, James Guy, Siobhan Marie O'Connor, and Georgia Davis as well, Michael. Yeah, very, very strong team. We should say congratulations to Georgia Davis as well, who's been taking part in the Swim Series event in China. This is part of the uh, the swimming world's way of trying to get their sport a bigger, a wider, a different audience. She's won a silver and a bronze medal on day one. Remember, uh, that three-leg series has been a huge argument in the world of swimming with Adam Peaty opting to take part in the International Swimming League instead. Very strong-looking team for those British championships. And if James Guy and others are listening, wondering what we're going to have with regards television coverage for the World Swimming Championships. I was looking, the BBC have covered the World Swimming Championships uh, in detail with extensive programming in most of the, if not all of the recent championships. I have asked them this week what their plans are for those championships in South Korea, which take place between the 12th and the 28th of July. They are unable to tell us as it stands at the moment. Uh, But I think, obviously, that's not a British swimming event. That is a a World Swimming Championships. I think we will see extensive coverage across BBC TV and radio. Yeah, always look forward to that very much so. Right, let's round up some other business uh, before we wrap up for this week. An Olympic champion, Joe Clark, has taken a massive, massive step to returning to defend his title in Tokyo. This is, of course, in canoe slalom after an Easter weekend of competition and selection races at the Lee Valley White Water Centre in Hertfordshire. The K1 gold medalist from Rio is in the British team for the 2019 canoe slalom racing season. Uh, he'll also be joined by the likes of... Uh, David Florence in the C1, looking, of course, the silver medalist from London 2012, looking to reach uh, what will be his fourth Olympics, which would be incredible. And also Mallory Franklin, uh, Britain's most successful female canoeist, winning a record eight individual and three team medals last year in the season alone. She qualified in the C1 and the K1. Uh, She's going to be a canoeing superstar, 24 years of age from Windsor. Watch out for her. Talking of sports looking to try and develop and move with the times, hockey and the FIH Pro League, which is a new initiative featuring eight men's teams and nine women's teams, have been in London, have been in Great Britain. Uh, The teams will all play each other home and away, then the top four will go forward towards a grand final. Great Britain's men have been in action. They uh, beat Germany. Uh, where were the Germans? Who cares? Thank you to, to Barry Davis for that. Uh, they, now, they now lead the FIH Pro League. Uh, their next three matches are all at the Lee Valley Hockey Centre. Spain on the 4th of May. Then you've got Argentina and Belgium, two matches in two days. Uh, the women's team beat the USA in a shootout after that one finished 1-1. And we know how good Great Britain's women are when it comes to shootouts in hockey. 
We certainly do. We were there for that. Uh, talking of shootouts, Chris Froome, of course, uh, will be back in the saddle for the Tour de Yorkshire at the uh, beginning of May. And no more Team Sky, of course, we know as well. Team Ineos will be announcing. But some big names have been lined up for the Tour de Yorkshire in the last week as well. Uh, Marcel Kittel is regarded as one of the finest sprinters in the world. He's not raced in Yorkshire since 2015. He's back. So is Mark Cavendish, back from illness and sickness. So great to have him back as well. Also, uh, Anne Miakda van Vluten, um, the reigning world time trial champion going in the Asda Tour de Yorkshire women's race, which is part of the event over that Easter, uh, over the bank holiday weekend in Yorkshire that Michael uh, will be covering. And also watch out for the likes of Connor Swift, the 23-year-old from Doncaster, racing at home. Abby May Parkinson, Eleanor Barker, the Olympic gold medalist, and Lizzie Danen as well, also confirming she will compete in the Tour de Yorkshire. And I think when you talk about Mark Cavendish in the Tour de Yorkshire, you have to call him by his full name. That's Mark Cavendish, whose mother lives in Harrogate. <laughs> Moving to diving, Tom Daly and Matty Lee have won the 10-metre synchro silver at the Diving World Series event in Montreal. Well done to them. They only started diving together in February this year. And Britain's Jess Learmouth has won silver in the World Triathlon Series in Bermuda. The 31-year-old had led going into the 10K run, but was passed by American Katie uh, Zafarefs. Uh, Georgia Taylor-Brown was fifth. Fellow Britain's non-Stanford and Vicky Holland, 13th and 15th in the first event of the World Triathlon Series, which will be in Leeds later on in the summer. And Olympic silver medalist Johnny Brownlee finished 11th in the men's event, omitting work to do. Yeah, and Jess Learmont and uh, the Brownleys, of course, all from Leeds as well. So looking forward to covering that later on in the year. We'll finish with some tennis. And I just want to say after Andy Murray's comments about Justin Gimmelstob, who he says he must go. Uh, Gimmelstob says he still wants to run world tennis, uh, despite a felonary battery charge. Uh, currently, of course, he is a member of the ATP Tour board. And we've spoken about the... The top sports people in this country going on and maybe moving into administration roles. And I have to say, I've been very impressed with Andy Murray over recent years. I think he would make a tremendous administrator in his sport. He's consistently stuck up for tennis. He's stuck up for the women's game, as we know. And I hope he has an opportunity beyond a seat next to Sue Barker, as I've been increasingly impressed with his mature views. Absolutely right. No pressure to return from injury, he said as well, uh, as he started the London Marathon um, on this uh, weekend. And it was good to see him back and saying, look, I might be back in the summer, but there is no pressure to return. And that rounds us off very nicely, because have we seen the last of Andy Murray and have we seen the last of Mo Farah? in the marathon you can have your say at any time at anything but f on twitter facebook and instagram we're on itunes spotify or your usual podcast provider please download and share and like and rate us sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.